Welcome to The Gap, where it's our mission to bridge the gap between javelin and baseball training styles. I'm Brett Hart, founder of Hitman Performance, head training conditioning coach at Grind Athlete Performance, and ex-collegiate baseball player turned powerlifter. And I'm Dan Labadia, javelin coach at Southern Connecticut State University and the man behind Jack Javelin. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, so today I had a little bit of an idea when I was listening to my personal favorite podcast, um, The Game by Alex Ramosi. Um, obviously, you know, we're coaches and stuff, but Alex brings really good stuff to his podcast in terms of um, business and just life and, and like philosophy and stuff like that, that um, is good to kind of get out of that meathead sense. And he comes from a gym owning background too. So a lot of the stuff that he relates his stuff back to is really cool because um, he talks about it from, from the terms of like a gym owner a lot of times. And uh, he was with his, he was getting interviewed by Chris Wilson and uh, they were talking about how they like to live their life like a professional athlete. And, and what that means is they are in relentless pursuit of this goal that they have to be, you know, Alex is to get to a billion dollar portfolio with acquisition.com. Chris is to be, you know, the best podcast host in the world. Um, they both just talk about how they both, both started from nothing and uh, are just in this relentless pursuit of it. You know, Alex has partial stake in like 14 different companies now. Um, and Chris has done over 650 podcast episodes. Started off with one a week and then went to two a week and then went to three a week. And, um, you know, he said that ever since he set his sight on, on that goal, like he hasn't missed an episode and he's gotten really, really good, obviously, to the point where he's interviewing um, big dogs like Alex Ramosi. So that was my personal inspiration to live my life like a professional athlete. So, Brett, Brett what do you have on it? Yeah, so I remember about two Thanksgivings ago, I was driving to New Hampshire with my, like, going to see some family, and I just clicked on a random Joe Rogan podcast to listen to, because I, I didn't know about Alex Ramosi at the time, probably would have been listening to that, but it was a cool podcast because it was with Stephen Pressfield, and I had no idea who he was, and no, like, motivation to even click this podcast, it was just a random one, I was driving while I was doing it, and I was like, oh, that one looks cool, I clicked it, and Stephen Pressfield written, I don't even know how many books now, but he's talked about his life as a truck driver, thinking that was like a good life, a manly life for him, but he was always in the back of his head, knew he was a writer, and he's just been pushing it off, pushing it off, and he actually, the first book I read from him was The uh, War of Art, and that was talking about like the resistance you have of like doing something, like you know you want to do something, like there's plenty of people out there like that, we were just talking about it, like that, think it's really cool to start a podcast, they want to start a podcast, but they never do it, because of that like, fear or like that initial resistance to it that they just don't want to make the leap so i've just been reading his book now turning pro which was funny that you mentioned that podcast because chris wilson actually mentioned it in it really he made it real it was a real quick one but he talked about like yeah, i read the book turn i read the books turning pro Stephen pressfield like as he was talking with Ramosi about like he was that was a podcast he was just reading his tweets and letting yeah, yeah. elaborate on it right yeah. Yeah. yeah and so the turning pro is really cool because it brings a little bit more in depth of like Stephen pressfield's story how he didn't even start writing until he was in his 30s. He spent his life being a truck driver and being like selling fruit and like picking stuff from bushes and like a very modest life. And like how his first house was barely a house. It was like a shack that had like no heat, no water. It was like $15 a week, I think, that he said it was. <laughs> yeah, so it was like nothing. It was bare bones. And he just dedicated his life to writing now. And so he goes into the differences of what an amateur does and what a professional does. And I always looked at professional athletes and like how they operate and how they moved. So reading a bunch of Tim Grover stuff about Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan, like the different mentalities that they had and like mom mentality is 
sick. Like it was always cool to like really tap into and see like what it means to be like a competitor and trying to apply that to your daily life and having that like regimented routine and having something to look forward to. But something that really struck me that I feel like I get caught in a lot and then we were kind of talking about this with like the pat on the bat and like the fake like confirmation that you actually did something without actually doing it was in one of his chapters he's talking about like being in a shadow reality or like having a shadow dream or shadow goal is that you can say you want to be like the best podcast in the world and if you just keep saying that and people tell you yeah you will be or like yeah that's great but then you don't actually do it you're getting like fake confirmation or fake affirmations for it and then you're always living there like anxious or angry or upset with yourself because you're living a life that people say it's like really good but you haven't actually done what you said you're going to do yeah and i think that's pretty funny because we, we were literally just talking about that when we were at sushi the other day that it just happened to be in the book and i'm like wow it's like exactly like what we were just talking about so you can say you want to do all these things like i want to be a professional athlete you have either the people say you have no chance or the people are saying that's great but then at the end of the day it's just you that has to go to bed like with what you see in the mirror and like how you feel like what you put in that day yeah so i know for me i always feel best when i put in a lot of work like that's just how i'm wired i know like i can't really take many days off even though i should sometimes but like it's the the competitive mindset like the attitude of like why rest now when i have so much life to live and like i only get one shot of it so it's like there's stoic philosophies that are like that there's people on instagram that always talk about that a lot of them like a lot of those like business gurus on instagram i kind of don't really buy into that much that's why hermosi seems kind of like a down-to-earth guy so I kind of like his stuff. Like the people that are like over the top, like overboard of like saying how successful they are. I don't really buy it. Like it doesn't really make sense to me. But I know like everyone has to put in the work and has to do it. So why not just be humble about it? But being like an athlete for us as coaches, we talked about like why you should train like one. Mm-hmm. But like living like one, like with the nutrition, the sleep, the, uh, the routine, the training, and then how you approach just day-to-day operations. I think you should try to strive to be the best version of yourself you can be. It doesn't have to be like in an athletic sense, but like business side, uh, like your husband, like husband side, relationship wise, friend wise, like there's all whole various aspects of life that you should strive to be a professional in. And like the difference between the amateur and the professional is that the professional just happens to do the work yeah. that the amateur says they're going to do, but doesn't do it. Yeah. There's a few things that come to mind when based off your answer. And I think that like one that stands out to me a lot is, uh, the difference that I have now towards my coaching career versus um, versus my athletic career when I was in college. Because when I was athletic, when, in my athletic career when I was in college, I had built the foundation into like how I operate now in my career. And but the thing is, is that since you know, as people know, that I had that three year span where I didn't compete, so I wasn't able to. T- I wasn't able to compete. So all I did was train and talk about competing and so for three years i had like you know me just updating my friends and family and coaches and stuff like that or other people that were throwing on just how good training was going and how much better i am now and how the rehab was going great from tommy john and so on and so forth and i was getting a lot of that positive reinforcement but i hadn't done anything yet my pr was still 55 meters and then i went out and you know I, i threw like you know 59 60 my last two years, but I didn't hit those goals that I wanted to hit. Like I had my, my eyes set on that 70 to 75 meter range and wanting to be, you know, the best in division two and, and when, you know, be an all American, win the national championship, like that's where my goals were. And I never got to that level yet, or I never got to that level. And 
I was just getting all this patting on the back of people saying, oh, great job, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And I never got to that. So then it was just like, I felt like I, I just like opened up to so many people and I had, then I, it didn't work out for me. Not that I was like embarrassed by it or whatever, but I think that I've taken the same approach or a different approach to my career in the sense of like, I have my goals and I'm very like open about them to a, like a very small, close knit group of people. But like, I, I kind of keep them to myself. Like my, my friends and family, like outside of the people that I work with directly or outside my wife, like they don't really know. Like they kind of know, but they don't really know. And so that's just like my things. Like I've been able to have my head down and work and grind and, and you know, sacrifice like time, energy, money, and not get the immediate feedback from people or from monetization or whatever and just have that long-term vision but not not open up about it and share with so many people and just kind of like be able to do the work but stay in my own lane and be patient and stay focused and not rely on other people to to pat me on the back and tell me good job along the way yeah um austin yokum just had like his q a that he does like every week i think and his like i think his best piece of advice that he's given younger coaches is to not try to go like the full like salesy businessman route like you have to go through the train like a professional athlete route and like it, you'll get much more and i agree wholeheartedly being a science major like being in college for four years like studying it i learned way more like trying to be an elite athlete versus just reading about it and like not applying it so i think what he was saying was that it was like if you spend the four years of just doing and like you just put your head down and work to try to achieve a goal like whether it be softball baseball javelin dunking like whatever it may be that when you come out of that you learn way more because you're in the trenches like you're in like the work that needs to be done and then that's when you pick up like that foundational skills that you were talking about like you get the routine set you get the mindset shift you get like just how you walk how you talk how you present yourself to others like it's completely different than if you just hide behind a textbook and certifications and then you try to just act like you're superior to others because you call yourself a coach whereas if you just strive to be like an elite level athlete or just try to make your body do something crazy and then you just grind at that people will come see you because like they know you're about it and obviously it is important to like be smart like book smart street smart like have common sense so you have to have all of it but like the best coaches in my opinion are the ones that like do what they say practice what they preach and have achieved some some level of athletic performance that like the normal person definitely can't do yeah, and it's it's super important to be able to like practice what you preach, and and also too, just from the perspective of like understanding like what things feel like, and like we talked about that on like the how to train episode. But being able to like truly empathize with a potential client is huge, and, and actually be able to know like what they're going through. And um, another thing that Hermosi talks about in sales is you're if you're focusing so much on sales, it's going to be the conviction that is the the difference between a good salesman and a bad salesman if you're not convicted in like what you're you're selling and what you're preaching then it's not going to work um if he's like if you're a salesman and then and you're selling someone i'm like you know come work with me for for fitness or coaching or a private session and then after after the sale you think to yourself like ah got them like got them to sign up like that's right like i got them he's like no you're a swindler like that's not that's not what this is about you know is that you want to have the conviction of like all right like let's go this person signed up now i can help them now because they signed up i'm going to change their life or now because they signed up like i'm going to get them to throw further or throw harder or you know increase muscle mass or increase their strength numbers get them faster that's where 
you know, when they sign up, that's where you should get that feeling from is because you can help them. And now all the stuff that took you four or five, six years to learn, you'll, you'll be able to teach them and they'll be able to implement it right away. Whereas, you know, that's what they're paying you for. It's not just the one hour of your time, but the years that it took you to learn those skills that you can actually go and, and teach them. Yeah. Um, I think it was Amozi that was talking about like the two different types of entrepreneurs. And, like the one is being like the super salesy guy that's like super fired up about like getting people in the door and signing up like that gets the quick hits but it doesn't really make them stay as long versus mm-hmm. the people that are more product driven that it definitely takes longer that if you're focused on delivering like the perfect product and really trying to make like it as great as it possibly can be for the consumer that over the long run it'll help out because eventually it'll just sell itself and i know that's guaranteed like truth because i worked at cressy's at cressy sports performance in hudson mass they run no ads. <laughs> they run nothing. They have no ads. Everything's word of mouth. And everyone goes there because Eric Cressy's name's on it. Because Eric Cressy spent years, years being the, like, baseball world arm care guy. Like, he got the job with the Yankees. Like, his name's attached to the program. Hey, he's not even there. Like, Eric doesn't show up to the Hudson location. He's in Florida. They have two spots. But no one goes there because multiple they... Entities. Multiple entities. No one goes to Cressy Sports Performance because they saw an ad on Facebook. Like, they go there because yeah. that's Eric Cressy. Like, that's just where you go for baseball training. Like, yeah. they just built up such a reputation and brand that, like, that's what they did. And when they started off, like, Pete Dupuy just talked about it on one of his Instagram posts, was they gave all their pro guys free training, like, when they first started. They're like, if you're a pro minor league guy, because they know how much, like, this was before they got, like, upped in pay, because Sansone was talking about that in that episode, where they got, like, food scraps, like, they got food stamps for payment, like, they got nothing. They had nothing to train for. So they was like, all right, our pro guys, like, for the minor leaguers trying to make it, you can train here and get professional level service for free. So that's, and then one of the one of the guys actually they reworked the model because one of the pro guys was like I was skeptical of putting my professional career in something in a free service. He's like usually when you see free you're like all right what's the catch? Yeah. Like he was like so now they do it at a discounted rate instead of it being completely free. But I thought that was just really interesting because like no one goes there like because someone got sold it. Like you got I got there because, so much worse after joining that free program. <laughs> <laughs> like. Man, free. This is my career, and it's free. Like I don't know. Like, yeah. it's a look at- well, that is a that is a psychological thing, though. Too. I mean, it definitely takes the right type of person. But typically, the people that you want to work with are the people that are gonna be willing to to invest in themselves. Um, I know for myself, since I started making money like two years ago, now working, and and you know, obviously, we've invested a lot into this this podcast room as a part of our career that. You know, we definitely haven't um, made anything back on yet in terms of, you know, generated revenue from the podcast or anything like that. We do this because we love it. But it's like one of those things when I'm like buying the equipment for the room and I'm looking at microphones, it's like you got the cheapest one, you got the most expensive. And I'm like, I don't want the cheapest one because I I think it's going to suck, you know? Yeah. So it's like we buy somewhere like in the middle, you know? We were joking about that at Walmart when we saw the cords. (laughs) Why is this one so much? (laughs) Yeah, we're like, we're looking at it. I'm like. All right, some this these are gonna break within a week. Like, this one's five dollars. This one's fifty. I'm like, why is this five dollars? Like, this is not. Serious. Yeah, why are these the same thing? But well, it's forty five dollars cheaper. <laughs> it's like I'm not getting the five dollar one. Like I'm gonna yeah. get the expensive one. Like, yeah. That's why people buy um Lululemon and they buy like the name of the brand. Like that's why like, yeah. Lululemon eighty dollars for a pair of shorts. But you know they're high quality shorts. Like yeah. why would I, why you know would I spend gonna, that? Yeah, you know they're, they're gonna last. last. But then the thing is too is that I don't know if you know this, but they have a free return policy. So like. You know, if it's within like four years of you purchasing it, like they, you put every every purchase on your account. And as coaches, we get a twenty five percent discount too. So I get twenty five percent discount. I put every purchase on my on my account, and then 
if there's like any like pull or tear or discoloration or anything wrong with it, you bring it back and they exchange it, no questions asked. So, so like, you know, it's, it, you could get a new one whenever you want. It's not <laughs> cut fire. I bring it, I bring like, cut, like get the scissors cut yeah, a little yeah. bit. Like, well, oh. Yeah. I had like a white shirt that had a little like stain on it and it wasn't going away. And I brought it in they gave me a new one for free. So it's like every, every like three or four months, Anna and I will go in there and, and bring like two or three things back and get, get it new. Scott Burrell is a head coach at Southern for basketball. And he played with Michael Jordan and won um, like one or two NBA titles and stuff. And he went to UConn and whatever. So he's like a big like Connecticut name. And um, he's like on the wall at Lululemon in New Haven with like his ring and talking about like they have him like advertise that he like a coach at Southern and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, so if we go to Tokyo, like I'm, I'm going to hit, not Tokyo, Paris. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the, like whoever it is that owns that Lululemon and be like, listen, you got to get a poster of me and Jordan. <laughs> yeah. We need that. Jack Jalen right across Lululemon's walls. Yeah, for real. So talk to me a little bit about, I mean, I feel like you've talked about your teen in college a little bit, but what was it like going from injury, coming back, not competing for a while? Like, what was your day-to-day, like, from wake up to sleep? Like, what was your most consistent routine you felt helped you the best? Yeah, so for me, I really got into a really, really regimented routine when I was when I was coming back from Tommy John, and I was, like, super locked in and focused, um, super goal-oriented. Like, you know, this is, like, tracking my calories, had a training log, I would, so basically the biggest, biggest thing that I think was like that set me apart from other kids my age was I would stay in Saturdays and Sundays and do my homework for the entire week. So I would look at the syllabus ahead of time and all day Saturday, all day Sunday, I would like, um, I would do my homework for the entire week. That way during the week, I would like wake up, go to, go to like two classes, go to practice and then the evening I'd probably have like one class and then I was involved in a lot of like leadership stuff on campus. So I was like vice president of the Italian club. I was a peer mentor, which is like, I basically had 22 to 25 freshmen that I was responsible for going to two of their classes a week to not like individually, but like I would go to two extra classes a week to go basically be like a a teacher's assistant, make sure that they had a smooth transition from high school to college. Um, and I was responsible for like, basically, you know, anytime they texted me respond to them, I got paid for it, which was cool. But so that took up a decent amount of my time too. Um, so we would have like trainings for that. I would have to go to class for them and make sure that that, so that was like an extra class I had to take basically. Um, and then, uh, what else did I do? Oh, I led a Bible study. I led the athletes Bible study at Southern. So like my week was like packed, but I did that intentionally because, you know, I knew that Southern being a state school, I was like, all right, I have to make the most out of my opportunity here because I wasn't going to get like a super big job right out of college just because I went to Southern. So during the weeks, all I focused on was going to class, training, and then going to my extracurriculars, like my clubs and activities and leadership stuff. And um, and then I, a lot of times I would go to the field house at night and do a lot of that experimentation from Kevin Foster's stuff, like the mobility ability. I would go to the gymnastics mats and, and be like, all right, I'm not leaving until I do a backflip. Or I would go swimming in the pool and, you know, just try to get like some type of blood flow, like low, um, low impact training. in. and so that was, that was my day. And then throughout the day I was tracking all my calories and was, um, you know, doing a training log with my program and just like, you know, writing everything out and, um, being in contact with, uh, our coaches at Southern, but then also like, you know, this is when I was working with Kevin as well. So, you know, I was just like locked in, you know, and I, and I remember, I, like I, I've said to you a couple of times, like I had that rule where I would go out like once a semester. That's what I tried to stick to, like give or take. And that like my junior year, I didn't go out like once I, I was like locked 
Like I was just in my zone and my, my night of like relaxation would be like a Friday night after a long week. I would like order some food to the apartment. I'd put the red light on, put my blue blocker glasses on and like watch a show like in bed and, um, and like do Graston on my elbow. And like, that was like a, that was like a night chilling for me. Cause I didn't, that was only one of the only nights I didn't have anything going on. So that's what that routine was like. And then, um, you know, I sustained that for a little while. And th- that's the thing too, is that like I'm saying, that was like the extreme. And then now the way I operate, I feel like it's not as extreme, but 90% of it stuck. I still train hard. I still eat really well. I still sleep really well and prioritize my sleep. Um, during the week, like I don't hang out with anyone. Like if I, if I have free time, like I replaced basically the amount of time I was in class or doing my, uh, extracurricular activities. I replaced that with, uh, coaching sessions or doing content or doing podcasts, editing content, editing the podcast, writing programs, stuff like that, or continued education, like going, like trying to like learn stuff. And so that, that routine that I got in my junior year of college, like just went, it was, it was so extreme, but it was like the best thing for me at the time, because it made me like, I was in that relentless pursuit of that, that goal that I had. And, um, you know, and then now that, that relentless pursuit, I still have it, but it's towards being the best, one of the best coaches in the world. And it's like, you know, at this point in my career, is it a javelin coach? Is it a strength coach? Is it a nutritionist? I'm not sure, but I think that there's something really special about being able to encompass all three and, um, and bring the awareness of of all three. Cause I think that, you know, in the world that we're in, I think a lot of times people kind of put too much, too much thought and too much weight into one and not the other. But I just want to be a testament of like that lifestyle of like that lifestyle routine being being super important. So, yeah, I mean, that that was just that was it. Like that was a glimpse of it. Um, And like I said, I think that like, you know, when you are really, really extreme with something, then when you back off, it's like, you know, you still maintain a lot of it. And I talk about that a lot with like the weightlifting in terms of like the off season. You get to a point where you're like super, super, super strong in the off season. Then when, you know, preseason, in season comes up. You can back off a little bit, focus a little bit more on the skill acquisition of your sport and just, you know, cut your volume in half and you're going to maintain your strength. And I think that that goes to show as well with the same with the lifestyle and with your routine. Like there are seasons where you need to say no. There are seasons where you need to cut certain people out of your life and certain energy out of your life and just focus and, and do the thing that you say you're so passionate about and actually like see the progress come to fruition. Yeah, uh, I think something that. I struggle with a little bit is because I was pretty much the same way in college. I'd be drinking all the time. <laughs> I'd be drinking, I'd be hammered. I'm hammered right now. <laughs> but it's um like I I always feel like it Hermosi kinda like woke me up from it because I always labeled myself a perfectionist when I played for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to have perfect swing mechanics. I needed to have like the perfect like trans um transfer of the ball from catching, like perfect arm slot, perfect workout program, perfect nutrition program, like I wanted everything to be so perfect that it, like, hurt me, in a sense. Yeah, I could, so, I could agree with that. So it hurt me because I, like, just was always really tight. And, like, we were talking about, like, the performance anxiety. And, like, in that episode that we, like, recorded a couple weeks ago, like, that, I think, is where it stems from. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm trying to move away from that perfectionist mindset, but it's still there. But it kind of, like, makes you procrastinate a lot. And that's what Hermosi was saying in a post is, like, you're not a perfectionist, you're a procrastinator. Because, like, you're just making up excuses to not do the thing that you want and like just put the work in mm. and like for me like i just know how i used to operate and like i still like it's not saying i i sleep in all day like i'm still up at like 3 30 and like having to go coach and work 
but like when I look at like something that I want to write or like make an Instagram post, I like overthink it like a ton. Like that's something that you like done really well at with Instagram, like not overthink it at all. You just post yeah. and you say whatever the hell you want. Like I still struggle with that because I'm just like looking at it. I'm like, do I believe what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, am I saying like what I really believe is true? I have no idea, and I just won't post. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll, I'll be looking at it like it's not perfect, so I don't want to post it. Or like, even if it's like, I set like a standard for myself that I feel like sometimes it's just unattainable and unreachable. That like, a lot of professionals, I don't know if they've ever felt like that because they just <clears throat> go and do the thing. So I think that's what Stephen Pressfield was talking about in the book. Is like that's the difference between like an amateur and a professional. Like, if you want to turn pro, it's just a mindset shift. Like, you just have to change how you think and. Uh, you can just do like you can just do it you can't just say you're professional and be a professional like, that's, yeah. not, that's not how it works but like it takes years of like coming to understand that and, like everyone's slower with it and like I try to like remind myself that I am only 24 like but I've been coaching since 16 that it's just like it's it, it's always like a constant like push-pull battle in my head that I'm just like why am I like having this like roadblock? I think that the biggest thing like you were talking about is the mindset shift right I think that it's really just as you get older you get more comfortable with like the long time horizon of success. And I think that that's like a big thing that Hermosi has talked to me about. It's like the longer you can go without, the longer you can be in the, um, in the pursuit and the longer you could be in that. I don't, I don't want to say day to day because obviously you do have to do certain things to like progress, right? Like we talked about, you're not going to get anywhere in coaching if you just show up and do 60 hours a week of like whatever clients are willing to work with you like eventually you have to cut it off and allocate your time somewhere else to try to like grow what you're trying to do with your career but it's just like like being able to zoom out look at the longer time horizon and and not get that instant reward and i think that that was for you and i i think when we were younger we wanted it right now we and, and we were impatient and i think that as you get older you have to understand that like good things take time and you know being 24 25 like we are you know we we started working together and coaching when we were 22 23 so it's like think about where we're at now less than two years later compared to where we started and it's like okay well all right let's see what we could do in the next two years and the next two years and it's like by that point we're still not even going to be 30. so it's like you got to look at it from that perspective of like just being a little bit more mature in the mindset of like it doesn't need to happen right now. And that's where you can, you can have that season of life where you, you back off a little bit and like you're at that 85, 90% and not that hundred percent. Because if you're at that hundred percent all the time and you're super impatient about it and you always want the result right away, that's where you're going to get frustrated. But if you understand that, like, you know, sometimes some seasons are meant for grinding and saying no and being a hundred percent in, and then the other times, like you kind of, like, you have to pace yourself eventually. But I just think that's the biggest thing. It's just like being patient with it and, and realizing that it's not going to happen like right away. Um, because like you said, you know, if you're, if you're just procrastinating and you're just having paralysis analysis because you're just overanalyzing and then not actually being able to do anything then it's not getting you anywhere either. Like, you know, we always talk about like the imperfect action. Like you have to just, sometimes you have to just do it and figure it out as you go because the more you do things the more you're going to mess up but then the more you're going to learn from your mistakes and then you'll be able to like perfect it as time goes on and that's just like i've learned that a lot this past year since i started doing a lot more with like like media and like website like back end stuff yeah i would just say that it's it's a bit for me from like the time i was 21 to now 25 is being able to just be a lot more patient and realize that that things take time and, and you can't rush it yeah i i definitely am impatient in a sense that like I just think about like what I can be or what I can do and like or should I be doing this should I be doing that like 
getting my CSCS, like, I know, like, do I really need it? Maybe. Probably. I don't know. I'm going to get it anyways, just to say I can. Are they paying for it? Mm-mm. Oh, I haven't asked. Maybe. They gave me a Christmas bonus, so that works. Put it through there. But, um, but, like, then, like, our nutritionist was talking to me about, like, do you want to be a professional strength coach? Like, you should work with F1. Like, she works with the Lakers. She works with a professional team for nutrition. And then she, like, opened my mind and was like, do I? Like, I asked, like, I was, like, asking myself that question. Like, do I want to work with a professional team? Like, but why would I? Like, is it a status thing? Do I want to open up my own spot? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Like, it's just, like, a lot of just thoughts and overthinking that, like, I'm definitely prone to. Yeah. That is just, it's just hard, like, to think about. But, like, I just know, like, staying the course, like, is probably the best bet. Yeah. And just absolutely. see what happens. Yeah, because you can't predict anything, dude. Like, I, I couldn't predict that, you know, I was going to put in all that work in college and it was going to go to waste for myself. But then, like, the first kid I ever coach wins the national championship and, like, has the potential to be, like, a, a future Olympian one day. It's like, how did I know? That was, like, I didn't even know Jordan when I was yeah. going through that. That whole routine you saw, like, my junior year when I was coming back from Tommy John and I hired a private coach and I'm trying to, like, learn and invest in myself. Like, I didn't know that that's what the future held that then all that knowledge I was learning was then I was going to just pour it into someone else. And then even like, even when I started at Upward and I'm working with adults, like I had no idea that Jack Javelin was going to be a thing. And I was going to have almost 20,000 followers on Instagram, like a year later. And like that, the nutrition program was going to be all baseball players at one point. Like I had no idea Like you can't, you can't predict the future at all. Um, but like you said, you just stay the course. And then when you see an opening of something that you want to do, you, you pivot and, and you allocate that time and energy into that thing. But I also do think that going back off what I was saying before about being patient, it's like you got to be patient and stay doing the thing you're doing and you have to be able to pivot the right direction, but not necessarily turn completely around and go the other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, it's like if we were to build this whole podcast studio and then, you know, like we've been doing this like six months now, haven't really gotten like a whole lot of viewership but then it's like, imagine if we were just like, after this episode, like, yeah, let's just start a YouTube channel instead. And then we just got to start that from scratch. You know what I mean? It's like, no, like, let's do the podcast for a year, see where we're at. And then we can pivot. Then maybe in addition, we'll make a YouTube channel for the two of us or something, or we go to two episodes a week. So it's like, both of those are going to be complementary of each other, but you're not taking all the progress we put into this room and into this podcast and just completely scrap it and yeah. start over. Because you need that mm-hmm. that momentum that you've built. You need that to go somewhere. You can't just like stop it, destroy it, and then bring and it back. Over, the yeah. only thing that we would retain from doing that is the ability to speak a little bit better than we were able to six months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely an improvement from the first podcast that we did outside. Yeah, yeah. We gotta release that. We do have to release that. 100, 100 episodes special. Very first one. I'm talking directly in the camera. We got yeah. You, I don't you even got, know if I have it still. You I gotta got look. Eating the mosquitoes. Oh my god. I gotta look. I gotta look to see if we, we gotta find it. Still. I mean, we had some good. I mean, it was. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was just like for our first one. We had the road mics. Dude, I was, <laughs> I was even. I was listening to uh, the Nevin and Jordan episode the other day because I was trying to compare the, um, the audio. The audio from past episodes, but specifically like when we've had guests on because we've had what four guests on now or four different episodes have been guests. And then I was listening to that one and it was like, I was like, why can you barely hear me? And then I was like looking at it and I was like, Oh, it's because Nevin and Jordan were wearing the mics and then we didn't have any. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it looked, it looked and sounded crazy. <laughs> it was a funny episode though. Yeah, it was. So I guess we'll talk about a little bit of like investments, like investment 
in yourself. And like, I know like Hermosi has the S and P me bit that he talks about a lot. Cause mm-hmm. like instead of investing in the S P 500, like invest in yourself and like see what you can come out at the other end. Like what are some things you've invested in that have helped your career? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was, I was pretty big into investing, like not big into it, but when I was in college, I was like any extra money I had, I would dump into like a diversified portfolio um, to try to set myself up. Um, and then I ended up spending all that money on a ring. So, <laughs> so it was good. I mean, it, you know, put it away and saved it and stuff. But then basically when I start, I got married, um, started over pretty much like from scratch with that. So our wedding gift money, we put into that portfolio and I was like really big on like trying to hit a certain number by the end of our first year being married. And then when I started getting a little bit of the taste of like, of like what it means to like build a brand and, and invest back into yourself from listening to Hermosi and having like mentors like Derek in my life, who he obviously invests a lot into continued education and stuff. I was like, what would my like coaching career look like if I just doubled down the next like couple years and whatever extra money I had for myself, instead of spending that on myself or investing it into the market, like I, I invest it back into myself instead of buying like shoes or, or more Lulu, like, or, or going out with friends and drinking and, and smoking. Like some people do take that money and, and reinvest it back into myself. So a few things that I bought for my career. Well, first of all, we can start with the continued education. I mean, I went down to Florida as you saw, or as you know, with, um, Kevin Foster, Mike Stein, 72 and 75 meter throwers and, uh, you know, big online platforms for them specific to Javelin. And, uh, so learned from them, filmed a lot of content with them. That was a big investment, um, you know, going on that trip down there, but like not even just like mon- like monetarily, like spending the money to go down there, but just like an investment back into myself and like back into my relationship with those guys to show them that, you know, I'm serious about like, you know, working together and, and learning and stuff and just learning from them. Like I learned a lot of stuff on that trip that I'll be able to use for the rest of my life. And then I also went to see Tom Petronoff, who was um, a former Olympian, former world record holder with the old javelin. He threw like 99 meters with the old real javelin. And then it changed like at the end of his career. Um, And, you know, he went to the Olympics many times. So I got to train with him and pick his brain and learn some things from him down there. So it's like, you know, I spent the money to go down there in Florida and took time off work to do that. But like, I learned very valuable things that I'll be able to take back with me. And, um, and then with that being said as well, like, you know, same thing with the LSU trip that I just went on two weeks ago. I, you know, spent the money on the, the hotel, the rental car, the flights to go down there and learn from those guys for like five days. The same thing took off work too as well. So it's like, you know, I don't get paid vacation or anything like that. So it's like, I'm paying money to go down there, but then also giving up money back home. So that's how I look at it is like, unfortunately, a lot of times when you step away from work, you end up like, if you in a type of job, like, like I'm not, I'm not salary, I'm everything. I only get paid what I produce. So you know, I'm losing like, you know, double basically. It's like whatever money I would have made back home, giving that up to another coach or have to cancel the sessions or whatever, and then spending the money to go there. But it's like, to me, you have the opportunity cost of like, that's worth it to me because all of the tips and all of the people and all the networking that happened when I was down at LSU, that was worth it for me because I, you know, I expanded my network by a ton, learned so much from so many people that I'll be able to use the rest, the rest of my coaching career. So that was like, you know, probably a couple thousand dollars between those two trips. Like, I don't know, in between like two, two $2,000 and $3,000 probably combined between those. And then I brought my wife with me on one of them as well. So that's another expense or whatever. But then in terms of like, that's, that's what I did to invest back into myself. And then you have like all of the podcast equipment, like this room 
spending like, you know, that couple thousand dollars on this room, my camera, the microphones, the wireless microphones that we're not even using right now, they use for the YouTube video, you know, and then um, just a lot of, uh, just a lot of like reinvesting back into the brand and, and, you know, what I'm trying to do. Like a lot of the, the professional videos that you see on my Instagram, like I pay for those to be edited, you know, like all the thumbnails that I have, like pay for those to be edited. So it's just all about it. And it's not like about, you know, the, like, I'm not saying that it is going to come to me just because I'm, I'm pouring money into it. That doesn't mean it by all, but it's basically like me saying, I'm going to sacrifice, you know, whatever money I make from a certain thing to like, put it back into what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish, put it back into myself, put it back into the brand so that it's better than it was before. Um, because it's just, it's like, I'd rather see my coaching career take off as a result of an investment. I want to give it the best shot that I have for it to work out. And it's like, by, by knowing that I'm invested in myself and knowing that I'm invested in my brand, it's like, it's almost like I'm pushing myself to like make it happen. It's like you're betting on yourself. Yeah. I'm betting on myself, you know? And it's like, I've put, you know, just knowing that you've put the time and the money and the work into it and just not expecting like, you know, not just expecting people to want to work with you, but just knowing that like, you know, you did everything you could to like learn the most, everything you could to like make your program the cleanest format, the most user friendly, like you did everything you could to make your content look really good for your audience and to make it engaging rather than just like taking a clip and posting it with no effort. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like I think there's time and place for everything, but just knowing deep down that for me, like I did everything I could with the money that I had, with the time that I had, with the knowledge that I had to produce the best product possible. So, you know, yeah, like the, between the past year, I probably spent, you know, like a good chunk of change on, the brand of Jack to Javelin and, you know, just equipment for content and the podcast and throwing equipment and all, all sorts of stuff and just trips and, and all that. And, um, it's just like, you know, when you have skin in the game, you're like, you said that like you're betting on yourself and you know that it's like, um, you know that you're, you're more bought in and then it makes you work harder because you know, you're not going to just like, that's the thing that we talk about with like gym memberships too, right? If you're paying for personal training, you're going to lose weight. Not like, yeah, actually, but it's like if you're paying for personal training, you're more likely to lose weight because you're invested in it. You're paying for someone, you you have the accountability, someone's staying on you, and you're going to you're going to work a lot harder to get that result. Same thing for me. It's like if I was just like, you know, coaching sessions and writing programs and just like pocketing all the money and then just like going to hang out with my friends after work, I wouldn't be as like fired up to like make it work and, and build something that I'm super proud of and build a, a brand that I'm super proud of and a community that people want to be a part of. But because like I pour back all my time and energy and money back into it, it's just going to keep compounding. And it's something that I'm more convicted of and more proud of. Yeah, I agree. I think investing in yourself is huge. Like, especially when you're young, like just taking the time to say like the season of saying no, like that's Ramosi's big thing. Like there's plenty of weekends where like I drove home every weekend to coach, like whether it be at like my job before upward or upward, and now I don't have to go to school and go back and forth. But like I sacrificed like my whole senior spring, like moving up to Hudson, like Hudson Mass and doing that full internship for six months. Like not like every weekend driving back hour and a half coach like it was even like five sessions at the time, and then driving Sunday hour and a half back, schoolwork doing powerlifting whatever, and like I, I think like that investment. Like I use that time to listen to all the all Yoakum's podcasts. Like even when you're on a drive, like you don't have to invest money all the time. It could just be time. Hmm. Like there's a ton of free stuff. Like the smartest guy I ever met was um, from India. 
he was an intern with me in, in my internship class at Cressy's. By far, like, the smartest guy I've ever met. Like, no one's even come close. And I've talked to, like, high-level professors, like, professional strength coaches. He was, he would smoke them all on, like, a pop quiz or anything. Like, he knew, he knew his shit. And I'd asked him, because he never went to school for it, like, at all. And I'm here in exercise science. And I'm like, dude, how are you so smart? And he's like, you Americans are so stupid. Like, everything is online for free. <laughs> he's like, everything. He's like, you can watch YouTube. You can read, like, all the research. Like, Google Google research, or Google Journal or whatever it's called. Like, yeah. it's all Google free. Scholar. Google Scholar. That's what it is. Like, it's all free. All you, have, all you have to do is want. All you have to do is you want. You want it, and you can go read it and yeah. listen to it, and like, and you just apply. It. And I'm like, dude, that's <clears throat> so true. And like, here I am answering questions off Instagram. But I was like, there's plenty of information on Instagram too. It's like, you can either spend like your two hours of free time scrolling TikTok, or you spend that two hours watching like a Christian McCaffrey workout video. Like that's what I spent a ton of my time in high school doing is like watching overtime athletes and like just watching professional athletes work out. And like what it looked like, and like how to structure a session, and like how the coach is cueing, and like Chris Bernard, how like what's he cueing? He explains certain exercises. Like I ate all that up. Like I think the history of exercise and like just like the minutia of it is like really interesting to me, rather than just like textbooks and stuff. Like I'd rather see it be done in action. Yeah, but that's that's an investment too, is your time and your like mental capacity of like just wanting to learn more and wanting to watch like what successful people are doing yeah i think that that's the biggest thing for me is that i've been struggling with since becoming a full-time coach about two years ago is like the content consumption aspect i do a good job listening to podcasts because like i listen to them in the car when i'm driving when i can't do anything else but i think that since i am in the realm of posting a lot and editing a lot and um you know just just being in that that zone where people are commenting and like posting my, like reposting my content and stuff like that. Now it's just like, I'm more wrapped up in like my own content production and stuff. So then when I do have that free time, I almost don't want to consume mm. content as much, but that's why, you know, I try to just be intentional about, you know, listening to Hermosi podcast a lot or just like, you know, a couple of nights a week, just throwing something on when I'm eating or whatever, or like at lunch, like if you're eating, I like trying to watch like some type of educational video but it's just, it's tough. Reading is not, not my strength either. <laughs> I just hate reading. I, I never have. But I also, yeah, I'm trying I also to get do think it. that it's like, I think it's one of those things. I think that reading is great, but you need to be able to actually apply a lot of the stuff that you read in books. You can't just read and get the ideas and then, and that's it. Like you need to be able to like apply what you, what you read. And um, I also think that there's a lot of other ways to get information out there now. Like I think that like for me, when I, when I you know, like I went to school to be a history teacher. And so, like, Connecticut is, like, the hardest state in the country to pass the, the test to be certified to be a teacher. And um, I studied solely off YouTube, and I just made flashcards based off the YouTube. And that's all I did was, like, crash course history with um, that dude, John Green. I just watched his YouTube playlist, like, all the way through and just took notes on it and watched it, like, three times. Took the test the first time, failed by two points. And then it was, like, the one, one part that I didn't do good on was like the economics part and it was because i didn't study it because i thought that it was more insignificant and then i got to the test and i had no idea what was on there because <laughs> i didn't i didn't like study it John like Green the other ones nothing about yeah. this well no he did have it but i was like oh i'm just gonna study like u.s history world history politics because that's what most of the test was gonna be made up of and i like crushed it on those and then the economics was like 12 questions but they were all so difficult and i got like two out of ten so anyway I went back and just revised what I did on the history and the politics. And then I, um, 
And then I watched the, the economics part and I just crushed that like a couple times before I retook it. And then I passed it with flying colors the second time. And it was like, I literally did that off YouTube. So like the four years that I took studying history in college got me to a point where I failed the test. And then YouTube got me to a point where I got certified to be a history teacher in the state of Connecticut. So now look at you. Now look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, right? Who's on the $20 bill? Yeah. Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Starts gritting away. That's a great way to end the podcast. That's all. Yeah. I, that's all I got. All right, that's all I got. Also, if you're watching this with the visuals, we got the new poster behind. We us. do have the new poster. So that was another investment, big investment. Big investment. It looks fire though. Yeah. I gotta yeah. sit on that side though now when we have guests on. But yeah, we gotta switch. It's gonna feel so weird for me. Right. Probably have to pivot this table or something. <laughs> but, flip it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you learned something. Yeah. See you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.